0: You're listening to episode 368 of the GNU World Order. My name's Klaatu. Hey everybody, this is GNU World Order. And we are looking at every single package that comes installed by default on Slackware. This series has been following Slackware 14.2. I'm I'm quite aware that Slackware current is in a very different state than 14.2, but since 14.2 is what I run, that's what I've been going off of, and frankly, the 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 number or the the variety of packages in Slackware current aren't aren't substantially different uh, from 14.2. I mean, there are differences here and there, but but for in terms of the things that you could execute on your system, not all that different. What if you're not running Slackware at all? Well, that's okay. You can probably find these applications in your software repository as long as you're running Linux or possibly even BSD to some degree so you can still follow along and if you're not that's fine you can just learn about all of the different applications available on Linux and there are many of them today we're going to be talking about Linux doc tools Linux doc tools uh, we started in episode 366 I think yeah because 367 we skipped or we, we took a break from to talk about Debian so uh, this this package is not we're not finished with it yet there's Quite a ways to go, so let's get started. In the previous episode, we left off with a series of docbook2 and then some conversion target, so docbook2HTML, docbook2man, docbook2PDF, and they all worked basically the same. Uh, I'll skip over all the the, the individual ones because we we did an experiment with the uh, docbook to HTML, I think. It worked as expected. I think I did a conversion to PDF as well. It worked after we installed a PDF conversion engine. I think we all get the idea for those. Handy, useful, one-off commands, hyper-specific, that's fine. I'm going to mention, though, and this is why I'm talking about this, I want to mention docbook to rtf i've i think i've talked about rtf before on this uh, on this show it's been a while though and so i want to revisit that i just want to urge you whoever you are wherever you are whatever you're running not to use rtf this isn't sort of one of those weird um sort of um text format elitist things that sometimes i i suffer from you know i mean i i Text formats, for me, they're something that I use a lot, and so there is a bit of, um, I guess, elitism, I guess, uh, or, or just maybe just being picky, be, being, being highly, highly particular. I, 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 I fall prey to that sometimes because, frankly, it's, it's important uh, for, the, for the duration of your, your document. It's going to be in a format that you choose, and if you choose a format that is not a great idea... For whatever reason, and there are many different reasons, a text format might might not be the best format you could choose. Then I I feel like then you have to live with that choice for a long time, and that can be frustrating. And that's why I'm that's why I I like to discuss it because I've personally struggled with that a lot in the past. I've I've gone through lots of different formats, and then three, five, ten years later, had to live with the ramifications of why did I save that file in that format? So it's important to me. RTF is called the rich text format. I, I'm inclined to think that it wouldn't have really gone very far if it hadn't been for a, a relatively uh, cross-platform presentation or support uh, for a little while. RTF, for, for a wee while, but a very significant while, was almost your only fail safe option if you wanted to get a document from a Windows machine to a Mac machine. That was, the R- RTF was kind of the way to go. And I, I, I should say, a document with formatting embedded into it. That was kind of the only option. So if you were someone who grew up on word processors, and you knew that you wanted to make your titles big and you wanted to make certain words italic and bold and so on. You didn't know HTML, maybe. You grew up on word processors. That's what you're used to. You want to get a document from here to there with all of that stuff intact. RTF from about 1987 to 2008, or it was supported from 87 to 2008. I don't know. I can't remember when it kind of got introduced on on Mac, but for for a while, that was the way that you could do it. That was the way you could get that document intact to the other platform, and when I say the other platform, I'm I'm of course being intentionally limiting the scope here, because a lot of people in this scenario wouldn't know that there were other platforms. It's either a Windows or a Mac world for a lot of people, and so Getting a document with all the formatting without learning something fancy and crazy like html plus css rtf was the way because that was the that was the one shared format it It came installed by default on mac os it was supported by default on Mac supported by default on Windows because Microsoft uh, developed it, and so that was the easy way now if you ever look at an rtf document, you will find all kinds of horrific Markup in there. It is the worst format. It's just not human readable. I mean, it is, but not really. It's 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 heavily, heavily munged. It it has a bunch of junk in there that is very difficult to then separate. Why that's important is because when support drops from RTF, which Microsoft sort of walked away from that format back in '08 support drops from that, then you're left with all these RTF documents that you've saved over the course of, you know, anywhere from nineteen eighty seven to two thousand eight in this format that is no longer supported by any OS. Again, I say any OS and, and that's kind of an exaggeration because technically you can you can get RTF documents open and and opened with the format most of the formatting intact, but you'd have to you'd have to know where to look. And a lot of people under this, my assumption is that the the people most at risk, most victimized by RTF wouldn't know where to look. They don't don't understand that there's some application out there that they could download that would reverse-engineer RTF and present it to them in the format that they expect. That, to them, would be a big hack. Like, that would be really cool to discover such a thing, to even think of such a thing. So, in other words, RTF, it was walked away from support is highly limited... And in terms of extracting the raw data, it's very difficult. So I'm urging you not to use RTF. Do not convert anything to RTF ever. There are far superior formats like HTML uh, if you if you if you want that sort of cross-platform compatibility and, and the embedded style. Um, there's obviously Markdown and Asciidoc in particular. So that's what we're talking about here with Linux Doc tools. Uh, there's DocBook. There's LaTeX. Uh, There's Grof. We've already talked about Grof for like three episodes. So there's there's lots of different formats that are well-supported and much, much uh, highly more, a lot more supported than RTF, including ODT from, you know, for LibreOffice. I mean, just put it into an ODT file. That's fine. It's an XML backend. You'll never know the difference. So do not, do not, do not go to RTF under any circumstance. That's my... Public service announcement for this for this episode. Okay, so we're not talking about that. Um, I just wanted to sort of issue the warning. Next package in our big list of Linux doc tools is the GNOME doc prepare tool. This is um, not very useful for for I think probably most people. It's a um, it's a highly specialized and specific tool. It is a shell script which takes a project that has been prepared with in in the uh, Gnu auto tools uh, framework and and that's the the one that you do the dot slash configure make make install that that sort of thing that's that's auto tools that's what enables that and it's a series of make files and, and funky macro files that that all act in coordination together to to produce a standardized output gnome doc Prepare is a little um, a little insertion or a little hack that that sort of you can drop in or that you can run you can execute this shell script from within an Auto Tools project. It detects all of the Auto Tools settings and then it it adds in its own GNOME specific Makefile, which you can read for yourself if you really want to. I don't know why you would but you can, and it is located in slash user share slash doc, uh, rather, gnome doc utils slash gnome doc utils dot make. You can look at that file. It is over 700 lines of code, so it's gonna... Take a while to read. It's a lot of uh, said statements and and, um, and tests and 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 variable settings and extracting sort of information from the the make environment that, that that's already existing and converting it over to this gnome specific uh, make uh, environment. So it is something. It, it's a bit of a hack. That takes documentation that's going to be generated by a an auto-tool sort of the default documentation and it converts it into this very pleasant, structured GNOME-specific documentation style. I won't say format, because it's not the format that we're concerned about. It's really the styling. And in fact, you can kind of see that... Well, no, it is... No, it's not the format, it's the style. Because it's also some of the shared... The, or the uh, save locations and things like that. Which I don't think you would classify that as, as the format of the documentation. That's just where the documentation lives on the system. So if you're not running a GNOME environment, this is truly, truly useless. And uh, GNOME, of course, doesn't ship with Slackware, so this is probably useless to you if, if you're running Slackware. Um, obviously, Linux, I mean, with GNOME having been sort of the original open source truly free software desktop environment there's a lot of defaulting to gnome within Linux development which I mean I think that's fair the the cute library set way back when was not fully open source I don't I, I'm I know uh, I, I'm pretty sure that I would not have been using KDE had I been a linux user back then I would have just gone to gnome because KDE at that point because of the cute licensing wasn't fully open source it wasn't Free software, and I just I, knowing myself, I I don't believe that I would have been using KDE at that under those conditions. Now I can't say for sure, obviously, because I wasn't using Linux at all at that time. Um, but certainly, if I was, if I could take my my current self, put myself back there, I'd have been a GNOME person. And frankly, GNOME one was a lot different than GNOME two anyway. And GNOME two is kind of the the version that I really have most aversion to because uh, I, I use GNOME three. Um, all the time at work. Fun fact. Um, KDE at home. Gnome 3 at work. That's a pretty good mix. Uh, let's see. Gnome doc prepare. Okay, yeah, so that's kind of useless. But there's this one tool called Gnome-doc-tool, which is um, a lot like DocBook to HTML, in fact. It will take your, your XML document and transform it into an HTML document or XHTML or any variety of... Uh, let's see. No, that's that. That's it. HTML, XHTML. It can also, it will also create a CSS document to accompany your HTML. Yeah, so let's do gnome-doc-tools, dash dash and I'll type in HTML, and then I'll type in the example.xml file that I've got here, my demo folder, and it, it does something silently um i'll do a list example.html exists so let's open it up in for instance conqueror example.html there it is my sample document quite quite simple little document here but um boy does it look good like really really nice it's got a little um sidebar with a table of contents it's got uh, back buttons and a header and a footer uh, it's got a nice looking Um, title, attribution, text, yeah, looks really, really nice. Like, legitimately a really well, really really attractive um, document here. So that's kind of an easy way to get a really, really quick and simple style into a document. And if you want the CSS, right now the um, CSS is just, it's just using the system, you know, the default stuff that got installed with Linux doc tools so you don't have to point it at any special CSS file. It's already, it already knows how to do that. Actually, let's take a look really quick to see if it, to see what this... Yeah, this is quite nice, too. The format... I'm always curious about these auto-generators, because sometimes the, 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 the code that it produces just doesn't look very readable, and I, I find that that's problematic. Uh, it turns out that the CSS is embedded into the file, so it's not pointing to something that was installed with DocTools. It is. It just embeds it right into the into the document, which admittedly, um, you know, that takes up a lot of space. I mean, that is that that makes for a larger document. Um, specifically, about 400 lines more code than arguably you would need. You can extract that um, a little bit by just doing gnome doc tool css and then example.html and that just dumps out what it would do if, you know it would it dumps out just the css just the raw css which is quite nice because really honestly it's 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 a really good looking style sheet i mean it's not blowing me away or anything but in terms of sane defaults for 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 human readable or human presentation for humans it, it is quite nice it, it looks it, looked, it looks good. So if you want to rip off the hard work that uh you know th- the people have done for GNOME documentation then you can really easily with genome-doc-tool. Now notice it requires XML as input. So if you're using ascii doc, actually, you know what, let's just test that before I say that for sure. I didn't I don't know that I actually tried it. Yeah, okay, so it does. It 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 needs XML as as input. does not understand ASCII-Doc. Now, ASCII-Doc, as we've said in the previous uh, in the previous Linux Doc Tools episode, 366, ASCII-Doc's uh, export, or it, it, it converts to DocBook. It is basically a simplified front-end to DocBook. So when you process ASCII-Doc with the ASCII-Doc conversion tool, uh, which, if you'll recall, is called ASCII-Doc, or AsciiDoc.py, I guess, technically, when you convert that, or when you use that tool, rather, it either as an intermediary step or as a destination, depending on the options that you provide, it outputs to DocBook, which is XML. And so if you're writing in AsciiDoc, you could still use the GNOME-Doc-Tool by first outputting to DocBook and then feeding that file to GNOME-Doc-Tool. So that's a really simple way to, to utilize... The hard work of the gnome project for some um i guess yeah let's just call it some some pleasant styling although so far i've been really pleased with all of the defaults of the linux doc tool output so no complaints really okay next up is the gtk doc tools that's not the name of the thing it's it's a prefix sort of gtk doc dash it all actually kind of starts with gtk eyes. that's gtk d-o-c-i-z-e it's like you're 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 making your documents into GTK docs, GD, GTK doc eyes, and that's a, a quick command that you can do. Now th- this GTK doc dash whatever starting with doc eyes, um, they they work. They they do assume just like uh, GNOME doc prepare. They assume that your project has been set up with AutoTools uh, or CMake. Actually, you could do CMake as well. Um, and and this is this is yet another reason why I really do believe that GNU AutoTools is is a really great idea. I mean, it, it honestly is. Um, I think I've raved about it before. I, I've done a Hacker Public Radio episode about it. I'll probably end up doing one for for GNU World Order as well because I'm sure it's it's somewhere in here in Slackware. Uh, and AutoTools is it just makes sure that everything Everyone's kind of talking the same structure. So if you've got your tool, if you've got your project in AutoTools, then you kind of know that you can take your project, throw it at RPM build, for instance, and suddenly end up with with very little work for your spec file. You can end up with an RPM installable by DNF or YUM or RPM. You can end up with that with with minimal effort. Just the, the barest bones... Of a spec, uh, a spec file is the um, is the thing that that. Generates an RPM. Uh, you can do the same thing with with a Debian to to generate a Debian package. It's just really really easy when when everything's already configured for uh, with, with GNU Auto Tools. It's dot slash configure make make install that sort of incantation. It, it's just super simp- simple. You do have to work a little bit at the GNU Auto Tools. I'm not going to say that's a breeze. It, it can be that there's there are things to consider. Sometimes you have to sort of hack around some stuff and figure. Out the right place for things to go, the right directives, and so on. But once you do that once in AutoTools, then you can you can repurpose all that work with lots of other things. GDK, the the GTK docs system included. So GTK docs, doc eyes. If I go into a package or into a, a directory project with that configured with AutoTools, all I have to do is do GTK, GTK doc eyes, and it 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 runs some some process silently it returns 0 upon success and if i do an ls again then i have new files in here gtk 4 gtk and probably some other things that i'm not seeing right now but what it has done is made some so it's generated some new macro files for my make environment that i could then you know now i could i could run gtk-doc something against this project and end up with special some special documentation and the documentation um at at sort of its most basic is a little bit something like doxygen if you've ever seen doxygen d-o-x-y-g-e-n doxygen is a code documenting documenting system that you you can pretty much point it at a code base and tell it to document that code and it kind of runs through all the code pretty much no setup involved it just runs through the code and pulls out things like function names and class names and it looks at for instance the functions what arguments or or parameters what what does it require when when being called and what does it return upon success that's those are the i mean those things the name of the function the arguments required and the output upon success or, or rather the output to expect that's kind of that's that's what you need. I mean, if you even think about something as simple as a Unix pipe, that's kind of really all we need for that to happen too. And you can't get any more basic in terms of programming than that, I don't think. You've got you've got the name of the command, you've got what options and arguments it, it can accept, and, and which ones are required, and then it has the expected output. Knowing that, you can invoke a command correctly, and you can confidently pipe it into something else, because that something else, you, you, again, you know it, you know the name of the command, you know what input it can t- accept, does it accept standard in as input? Uh, as long as it does, you can pipe it, and then you know what that'll output. And that's that's how we do things in Unix, where, where you know, you're doing an ls of slash, I don't know, slash var, slash log, packages, linux, doc-tools, blah. And now I know, actually I didn't want to do it, ls i wanted to do a let's do a cat and this is a useless this we don't need to do a cat in fact i'm not going to out of of respect for people who hate pointless uses of cat so i'll do a a less of this location of this file and then i'll pipe it to let's just do grep and then we'll do docbook and the only reason i can do that is because i know the name of the command is less i know that the required argument for less is the uh, file The name of a file or a path which I've given it, and then I can, and I know the output will be a line delimited listing or or the lines of that file, and then just pipe that to grep because I know grep can accept input from standard in, which is where this what what the pipe is doing. It's taking the stuff going to out, stuffing it back into in, and we'll we'll grep through that for the string docbook. And sure enough, I have this screen full of, of all the docbook mentions, of which there are many. So with code, it's the same kind of deal. You know you need, you, you know that you've gotten this, this library that you're going to include, but you need to know what the library gives you, what it makes possible for you to do. And in terms of code, what a library does for you when you're coding is it provides extra functionality. And so you need to know the names of the functions that it has uh, that, that you can use. You need to know what that function requires when you call it. If you're doing, I don't know, a, um, you know, convert foo to bar function. Well, according to the, the function, the, the way that the function works, it needs to know what foo is, uh, and maybe it needs to know where bar, where you want bar to go. You're going to convert a file from something to some place some other thing in some other place. Well, it needs to know what place. And maybe it even ne- needs to know what format. So that would be required information. And then what's it going to output? Uh, it'll probably output, ideally, a file object. It'll create this file object on your on your hard drive, I guess. So that would be the information you'd need to know from that function. But maybe it, it instead, instead of making a file, maybe it, um, I don't know, creates a data stream that you're, you're expected to then process um, bit by bit, I don't know, whatever, right? You need to know kind of how it's going to end up, what you're going to end up with. And that's what code documentation typically includes. And that's what something, for instance, like Doxygen, which requires really no preparation whatsoever, The the code base can be, practically any code base. You just point Doxygen to it, it'll look at it and dump everything that it finds. That said, with more preparation from Doxygen, you can get fancier output, and in fact with GTK-Doc, it's kind of the same thing. It, it's, it's a way to enable developers to foresee that their code is going to be documented, and it provides them with some markup in their code to help that process along. So one of the, the major ways that a developer can help document the code that they are writing is in comments. Comment blocks are very important, and a lot of us think of comment blocks as... Well, some of us think of them as just fun to read, right? Oh, look at the funny thing the developer has said here. That's always fun and kind of, you know, interesting. But really, m- more importantly, document well. Comments a lot of times serve as inline documentation so that when you are going through to find, I don't know, to fix a bug or to just see how something works a comment may give you some more some some context you know you, right before you get to a function it m- it might explain what that function does converts foo to bar so that bar can then be processed by blah great that's very helpful now we know what this mysterious looking function that just juggles a bunch of stuff around in memory and we don't really understand what it's doing now we know what it's doing because that comment sort of spelled it out for us in plain english but giving structure to Comments is is a really really powerful thing, and, and you'll see this in a lot of documentation systems. Is it will leverage the ability to parse comments to identify and parse comments as as metadata. So, for instance, in in GTK doc, a developer can do a comment block, and uh, they can make it a section and they can make the section they can title the section as something uh, and then they can do a short description in which maybe they're saying you know uh, the central conversion uh, uh, functions for such and such an application they can do title they can title the section or the, the the documentation section they can do um they can qualify it like is it how stable is this is this is this considered stable? Is this still a work in progress? How do we qualify this? Uh, what this references? What this includes? They can even include an image, like the the application icon, and then just a description of 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 what they think this this stuff does, or what they think it would be used for. Rather, hopefully they would know what it does, um, and that kind of can serve as the preamble for a section of documentation. And then of course they're writing the code, which GTK Doc then processes as code and documents accordingly. And that can be really, really useful for other developers well, for the developer themselves later on, once they've gone away and worked on something else now coming back to maintain this stuff. They'll they'll refer to their own documentation. But it can also be good for other developers because then you get to you get a good listing of, of all the stuff that that something is is making available to you so that's gtk doc dash many things and some of those many things are gtk doc dash check that uh checks your documentation project to make sure that everything is um is in order gtk doc dash um make html or make man or make pdf all that sort of thing that's involved Uh, that's included rather so if you want to output your documentation to any of those formats it's as simple as one command again we got here more or less through gtk Doc Eyes, so that just kind of adds some make files to your project to make the gtk document system um, active Uh, gtk doc-scan and gtk doc-scan g object gobj g-o-b-j scan gobj this uh, scans a directory of of code to uh, document it. Now none of those commands you generally actually have to use yourself because you'll a lot of those things will be um, included in the make file process once you do the GTK doc eyes. However, if you don't want to for whatever reason include the GTK stuff in your in your project, you don't have to. And you can instead run these commands separately to end up with the same results as a GTK GTK doc eyes project, and that's why they're here. They're the separate, they're the broken-out bits of this intended overall makefile process, and that's what gtk doc or gtk-docs uh, can do. Um, I will try to remember to include a link to the gtk doc specifics in the show notes, um, although I imagine if you're writing gtk code, you're probably already on top of all that sort of thing, so probably doesn't really probably don't need the link to it but I'm going to include it nevertheless just in case you're curious maybe you don't you've never heard of this sort of thing before. This explains um, what comments w- what comment hooks are available that gtk doc can then turn into nice pretty documentation and so on So that's gtk docs. next one after the gtk doc blob uh, or collective is the install catalog command. Install catalog is, I'm gonna kind of say that it's maybe arguably an artifact of of a, a less modular sensibility, if that's fair to say. I'm probably causing someone to bristle at that, but okay, so here's what install-catalog does. Install-catalog, manage, according to its own man page, manages an SGML or XML centralized catalog. A catalog in terms of, I guess, SGML, although I don't think in terms of SGML, but in terms certainly of DocBook, which is the, the the best I can do to think about that sort of stuff, is a... It's a file that defines entities for your project, and an entity is um, sort of an alias, or maybe even, I guess you might call it a pointer, to something bigger and better. Specifically, what Oasis group calls an open catalog is a set of directives defined by oasis mostly used for defining equivalences between formal public identifiers and real file names so for instance let's let's look let's look in user share sgml and then i'll go to docbook sgml-dtd-4.5- uh, slash docbook dot dtd this is not a catalog file but it is an entity uh or, or it helps with entities so uh this for instance says that if you want to point if you want to put a put part of your boilerplate in docbook is the the type of doc document that you're you're creating so a doc type and so you'll you'll see declarations in docbook files where it it says, for instance, doc type book public quote something oasis slash dtd docbook version number uh, language and so on. And it's it's quite a quite a big chunk of 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 text to remember. But there are these things called entities, and it allows you to use shorthand to To say essentially the same thing with a much smaller screen string, uh, um, string. I used to use this at work a lot of times. There would be things like ampersand. I'm um, just going to make something up. Ampersand F B D semicolon, and that we would d- identify as an entity in a separate file in an entity file actually .ent and As long as you had that included, then your local toolchain would bring it in, and any time a document referenced ampersand fbd semicolon, it would know that that was actually an entity which expanded to, for the print, for the rendering, uh, foo bar documentation system. And so it was a lot easier to write ampersand fbd semicolon than foo bar documentation system. So that's one thing that entities can do for your workflow. It's quite convenient. Catalogs point to locations on the drive where all of these different things get defined. And sometimes that's, um, sometimes it's, it's. I'm going to argue, more trouble than it's worth, possibly. Not all the time. I mean, there are some that are really important. For instance, here's the catalog file of uh, user share sgml sgml iso entities das-8879. 1986 slash catalog, and in this file, there are things that are defined to add uh, Latin characters, diacritical marks, box and line drawings, num- numeric and special graphics, um, and so on. So there's a there's a bunch of, of fancy rendering options essentially happening in this catalog, which is really just listing a bunch of entity files. And having this on the system level in user share, SGML, whatever, I'm gonna say to to my mind, I'm sure it's very useful, but it, it does also kind of assume um, th- that the system you're working on is set up... It's, it's a development machine for technical documentation. And while that is a reasonable expectation in some ways, it is also a little bit less, I would say, um, a little bit less modular in feel. I mean, it is modular by definition. It's very modular. Maybe, maybe that's my problem. Maybe it's too modular. But what I'm saying is that I couldn't, for instance, take my document, docbook project that relies on on these entities and these catalogs to be present on the machine and and just put it on any other computer and render it as expected there would be lots of failures they wouldn't be able to find these files and i feel like that sometimes is a drawback to this whole to this whole system really um i think if i was going to have really specific special entity files i would prefer to have them in the project itself even if that means redistributing the same old entity files time and time again i just feel like everything sort of being in one bundle would make me feel personally a little bit more secure about about my project's uh, integrity and in a way i think that's a, a big drawback of systems like sphinx and docbook and um those are the two that come to mind actually i thought i had a third one but those two come to mind immediately sphinx and docbook there there's a big tool chain that you're kind of relying upon, and that sometimes makes me feel nervous about the the integrity of my project going from system to system. That may or may not be a problem for you. You know, if you're at work working on this stuff, it's probably not a problem at all, because you know that your work computer is always going to be set up for that, and there'd be no reason, and in fact there's probably lots of reasons not to then take your your work and put it somewhere else but if you're uh, living on a laptop and a desktop and a mobile device and you're syncing them together with git and you're working on your documentation it's going to be tough possibly to make sure that you've got that tool that that full tool chain installed on all of your devices it just might not be something that's realistic whereas something such as pandoc it just kind of works magically it just kind of does the conversion and and that's a little bit there's there's some freedom in that you feel a little bit better about. Okay, well, all I really need is this text here, this command there, and I'm good to go. I can render whenever I need to render. Now th- that said, the the practicality of needing to render in, at a moment's notice is is something you know that might that may or may not apply to you. Uh, in real life, I I find that generally speaking. When I'm working on something in DocBook, I can work. Uh, certainly, I can work on it on pretty much any com- on any computer, on any device, as long as as a text a text editor. I can work on on the DocBook. Now, I can't necessarily render it, but but truth be told, you don't really need to render. Usually, I mean that's kind of the last step. When you're done, you render, you publish. That's it. That's the workflow. So the the the, the fear of not being able to produce a uh, very pretty output at a moment's notice could be not all that important depending on kind of your your workflow and how you actually like to to run your run your publishing business but that's that's install catalog it it keeps track of catalogs which keeps track of entity files which may or may not really apply to you beyond um the the very basics okay next up is JW JW is a wrapper around Jade. Jade is a toolset for SGML, and I guess we may as well talk about SGML now, because um, it's something that, that I've been avoiding, um, but should probably, should probably give it a little bit of a hat tip here. So SGML is the standard generalized markup language. It is the uh, it is, I guess you could say it was the the YAML to XML's JSON, if you think of it that way. Or do I have that? No, I have that correct. I think I have that correct. JSON is YAML, correct? I don't know. Either way, what I'm trying to say is XML is a subset, more or less, of SGML. SGML was developed, well, it's it's got a long history. It started apparently with something just called GML, which was a markup language developed at IBM, I think like a long time ago, and then SGML kind of came around and tried to standardize a bunch of that stuff. And from SGML, some people came up with this idea of, or, well, somebody, the the W3C, came up with this idea of XML, an extensible markup language, which is, it it, it is a subset. It, it is an, an SGML language, right? Or a, an S, SGML implementation, I guess. So even though I think Think I've never had any experience with SGML. I guess I technically have because I use XML uh, a heck of a lot. HTML is also uh, considered sort of a subset of SGML uh, or 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 similar enough. I guess I, I don't. The HTML history, what what with XHTML happening and, and sort of coming back around, um, is kind of kind of strange and kind of. Uh, difficult to to wrap my head around, especially with HTML five being sort of its own thing. But either way, you, you th- that sort of that tradition of marking up language. I mean, the very antithesis of Markdown, right? I mean, it's it's the it's the idea of well, we're going to have these tags, and these tags are going to wrap around our content, and the tags will never print. They will never be. They are always considered uh, contextual or or semantic data about the content. But it's not to be um, revealed on its own. The thing about SGML is that SGML, I mean, it, it is its own thing. So there is XML, and you can validly say, "Oh yeah, I'm a user of SGML by way of XML," but you're not using SGML. SGML is its own thing. It has its own implement. It, it has its own uh, it, it, the tools that 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 are meant for it. Uh, it has its own style sheet language. It's uh, rather than using XSL, which is what XML uses, or CSS, which is what HTML uses. It uses something called DSSSL, which apparently is scheme-based, which I did not know. Um, and so, yeah, it's 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 a whole different ball of wax, and it's it's something that I don't really want to get into myself because I'm quite happy with XML thank you don't need to explore sgml all that much myself i could i could be wrong i could be missing out on something very very cool very exciting but at least for now, and, and ever since I heard about SGML, I'm, I'm quite happy to just settle for DocBook. That said, JW, which is Jade Wrapper, is a it's a shell script. You can look at it, it's in user bin. Uh, it's a shell script that converts a, a DocBook file to some other format. And we've already seen it um, DocBook2DVI, DocBook2HTML, DocBook2MAN, DocBook2PDF, DocBook2PS, and so on. Those are all um, wrappers, I guess, or, or aliases for, for JW, which itself is a wrapper for this this tool called Jade. Jade is, uh, or rather, OpenJade. Jade is the, well, the analogy would be the markdown command. Remember we talked about markdown.pl um, back in episode 366, the command for which markdown is named. Uh, it's the thing that takes your markdown and converts it to HTML. Uh, it, it is the XSLT proc of DocBook. XSLT proc being the thing that takes your DocBook and turns it into something else. It is the ASCII doc of ASCII doc. It's, it takes ASCII doc, converts it to something else. That's what Jade does for SGML. And JW, the same thing. It, it, it invokes Jade. It says, I, I should actually check. I'm going to do a find in packages for a file called Jade maybe I'll do asterisk jade because I don't know if it's called open jade or just jade nothing okay so it must be somewhere within um, within packages so I'll do a grep of packages uh for the word jade I guess it's oh, gonna take forever no it's not yes it is yeah so there's anyway there's oh it, I think it's actually installed in this package Linux doc oh that's funny okay so maybe we'll find out more about Jade sh- shortly here because from what I just grepped. it looks like it should be in here somewhere. I'm not convinced though because I don't see it, and we would have already passed it. Certainly, if we're on JW now, we should have seen Jade. Anyway, oh there it is, open Jade. Okay, there, that's the answer to my question. Okay, so we'll get to Jade in a moment. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Point is, Jade is a con- is the central, the primary conversion command for this toolset for SGML, and it just so happens that because DocBook is XML, and XML is a subset of SGML. Just so happens that this Jade wrapper happens to interpret or or recognize uh, DocBook. Oddly, it says for the moment JW does not handle XML, only SGML. I don't know if there's some subtlety about DocBook that I've that I've that that has that's gone over my head so far, and it's not actually XML, it's actually SGML, or if that's just an out-of-date line but it clearly says in the man page that it converts docbook files or some other SGML-based format to other formats, including HTML, RTF, PS, and PDF. Remember, never use RTF. Uh, it, I'm saying that, it doesn't say that. So I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what what the meaning of this is. It could be a, a startling revelation for me, um, but it, to my mind, I've always heard docbook was XML, and um, it, it could just be an out-of-date out thing that it is. Um, it also happens to be SGML. Uh, or maybe it is treating the docbook differently I'm not sure. Point is, JW is a wrapper to convert your docbook into another file format, but you probably won't use it because it has things like docbook2, HTML, docbook2, PDF, and so on. Okay, so that's JW. Getting close to the end of the episode, I realized we did not take a coffee break this time around, and I I meant to. I kept meaning to, and I I kept seeing the next one, and I I would think, oh, I'll just... Cover this one last one, and then we'll go to coffee break. Didn't happen. Sorry, um, I've been sipping my coffee all along. I do apologize, but uh, we may as well just press on now. We're not we're not going to get through it all this time, uh, unfortunately, but that's okay because this is all very interesting, I'm sure. Okay, so the next one up is Linux Dock. That's that's the one, right? That's the that's the one that this that that we get the name from. The package is named for this. Well Linux Doc is it is kind of the the main I guess the main command that that, that one would associate with this um, this package possibly. Um, I mean if, if someone was installing Linux Doc they, they I would imagine they would probably possibly be doing it for this one. And uh, there's a lot that gets revealed here with Linux Doc. One of the most important ones is this concept of a DTD. That's Delta Tango Delta. It stands for a document I don't know what it stands for. I'm horrible with acronyms. DTD stands for Document Type Definition. That's what it is. Definition. Doc type definition is in terms of I guess SGML but also XML, but I guess definitely SGML, right? Um doc type definition is it's the key it is the thing that defines what elements are available in your in in the markup language that you are uh, using and or inventing so for instance if you were to look at the at the doc book DTD, which, I mean, I literally have it right here on my desk. Um, not, not for this episode. I just, I literally keep this on my desk. This is, that's how much I use and appreciate docbook. I have docbook five, the definitive guide right here on my desk. Um, so if you were to look at the DTD, you would find things like, um, brev, Abstract, Excel, acknowledgements. And these are all acronym, address, author, or what is it, author name? Author, no, author, I think. Wow, there's a lot of A's. Um, it's really, really f- deep in here, actually. I can't even find author. But anyway, it exists. There are, th- these are the, uh, there it is, author, yeah, author, and then the other one, author group. So anyway, you would find the, the a list of all the different um, elements that you're allowed to use in your document the 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 tags for instance so if you were to look at for instance i guess this would have been the better one to use a a theoretical non well i shouldn't say theoretical and non-existent because somewhere out there there is a dtd for xhtml Um, i don't have that on me so i'm not going to go look it up but if you were to look at a dtd for html you would see definitions for elements such as p for paragraph div for what does div stand for div um uh, uh strong for a bold and em for emphasis and so on right Th- these are common html elements that we all know we all use it's something that that, that just exists we understand that it exists And because it exists in the DTD, you can then compose a document that uses those things. Now, if there's not a spec out there that makes sense for you, that that works for you, you could make up your own DTD. So for instance, one of the things that I used to really want to do for a long time was to create kind of a screenplay format, a a DTD really, for screenplays, so that I could write and process screenplays as it, in the same way that i write and process docbook now i never did that and now i don't deal with screenplays at all in real life so it doesn't it's, it's far less pressing for me but you could imagine a dtd for a screenplay definition such as a doc type screenplay that would be our opening sort of declaration. Well, our opening would be XML version equals 1.0 or whatever. And then we would do uh, exclamation mark doc doc type screenplay. And we're just making that up, right? There's no doc type screenplay. Well, now there is. That's what the DTD does. So doc type screenplay. Square bracket, and then our elements. We might have an element, for instance, um, we we might have a slug, and in the slug, we we could put as part of our slug element. We know that the or not part of, but the uh, children of our slug could be the um, the. The, the set, the interior exterior, exterior, uh, the location, the name of the location, and um, this, uh, I guess, this, the status. Is this a continuous scene or is it a new scene or wh- what kind of scene is it? Close parentheses. And then the next element might be something like, I don't know, um, dialogue, and so on. So you can just create this stuff, and then when you're writing your text document, you know those are the elements you're allowed to use. And if you use an element that's not in the DDT, DTD, then you understand that you will get a a rejection from your XML processor. It will not understand what to do with that element or how to treat that element because it was not already defined for it in the DTD. Okay, so that's what a DTD is. And I said all of that because what linux-doc the command reveals is that there is a linux-doc DTD. A couple of them, actually. There's a linux-doc 96 and 97, and there was some other one I, I didn't bother looking at. Uh, and these Linux doc DTDs add special um, uh, entities to to the the documentation that is generated by the Lin- by by the core Linux team when they're documenting various parts of Linux. And uh, there's nothing super exciting here. I mean, in terms of like looking at what elements that they've they've added, it's not really that exciting there's um there are some things for special characters that i think nowadays we wouldn't even blink an eye at they're just you know normal unicode characters not that big of a deal there are some elements for here's a url uh here's an html url here's where's what did i say oh um entity latex entity um quote, ampersand, all kinds of things that, yeah, I guess these days I just, I don't, can't even imagine why we would need these to be specially um, included in that, in, in this DTD. I mean, it's got to be included somewhere, I guess, but but does there need to be a separate one? I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure. Either way, though, if if they're running their SGML through a processor like Jade, Jade, then they have to be able to point to the DTD that tells... That tool, how to treat certain elements. And that's what this DTD does. It also, reading the man page for Linux doc revealed or reveals that RTF is included as an output, a prominent output format, because apparently Windows documentation system, whatever that is, it was based on RTF at some point. I don't, I can't imagine that that's true anymore, because everything I've ever read is that Microsoft has walked away from RTF years ago, literally years ago, like 12 years ago. So I, I'm not, I'm not sure if that's up to date or not, but there you go. That's, that's what Linux doc um, sort of refers to. What does Linux doc actually do? Well, it, it does what about half a dozen other commands do as well, and that is it converts documents. And it converts specifically, um, what did it say? Converts, uh, yeah, converts converts uh, things written in Linux doc DTD SGML to some other output format. So for instance, if you wanna output it to just HTML, then you do linux doc dash uh, dash dash uh, back end equals html and then whatever you want to transfer uh, to convert and it outputs your your linux doc documentation file to html same thing goes for uh, gnu info for instance linux doc dash dash back equals info will put it out to to a .info file, or whatever those info files um, end in. And it's got a processor for lyx, and for latex, and for rtf, and for just plain text. So yeah, it's a pretty handy little tool, I guess, if you're writing stuff for Linux documentation, which I am certainly not, so I will probably never use that particular command um, for anything. I I can't imagine needing that for anything. but there you go. That's Linux doc. That's the reason the package exists, technically speaking. Okay, I think we're probably at the end of this episode. There are still uh, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 18 to go but a lot of them are um that can be kind of be put together um like one of them is open jade we've already kind of talked about open jade so we will probably won't spend too much time on that uh some of them are SGML to this or that uh as far as i can tell and so on but the the really exciting one that i can't wait to talk about uh, but i will wait to talk about is XML2 XMLTO it's a great command. I love it. I use it all the time. It's a really nice little converter. Uh, why are there so many converters in this package? I don't know. I do not know why there are so many. I mean, out of, let's just, again, kind of randomly randomly estimating, let's say there are about 42 commands here in this in the bin section of Linux Doc tools, I, I got to estimate that at least half of them, I'm going to even say like 60% of them, are converters. I mean... You know, ten of them are are, are just aliases or, or pointers to JW. So I mean, do they do they count? In a way, they do. I think because they are part of this package. Uh, ASCII doc is a is a converter. The GTK doc ones, okay, those kind of squeeze by. Although GNOME doc tool doesn't. Um... And then you got JW and OpenJade and then all these... The RTF2RTF, which we haven't covered yet, and so on. There's just a lot of them there that do essentially sort of the same job. A2X, I forgot about that one. That was the first one we talked about. Uh, Why do they all need to exist within this package? I don't know. I don't know if it's just because people came up with their own version of a thing that they do frequently and so they and and they just kept adding it to linux doc tools or or if there's actually a workflow out there that actually relies on these somewhere i don't know i'm not sure but they exist and so we're going to talk about them and we'll do that next time on the new world order Of course, you can email me at klatu at member.fsf.org. That's klatu at member.fsf, as in free software foundation.org. And of course, you can visit my various websites, gnuworldorder.info and slackermedia.info. I will see you next time. This is just a tape, relax. It is not the day before or the week between. It's just the show.